0: Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Roy Murphy from Synthetic, the chatbot and voice agency. We discuss the opportunity for exciting voice strategies for attractions and also how attractions can derive maximum value from chatbots. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify and all the usual channels by searching Skip the Cue. Hi, right. welcome to the Skip the Cue podcast. It's good to have you on today.
1: Hello, Kelly. Looking forward to talking to you on the legendary Skip the Cue podcast. Oh, this, will be, no. this will be a great conversation.
0: You are very kind indeed. Now, as you know, you've listened to a few of these episodes and you know that I start off with a few icebreaker questions, which you don't get to prep. Are you ready?
1: As ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. What is the worst job that you've ever had?
1: The worst job I've ever had is probably uh, when I was very young uh, on a, a pitch and putt golf course. Not because the pitch and putt wasn't bad at itself. It was a summer job. it's pretty cool. Quite enjoyable job. But it was in a small hut in... Well, I lived in Ireland in Braise in South Dublin many years ago. And the problem with the job was that it was in a small hut on the seafront outside a pub. And after the pub everyone would come into the hut and kick it in and uh, not only take the golf equipment out onto the, onto the kind of fairway in front of the the promenade, they'd also do some uh, not very nice things and uh, and use it as a toilet.
0: Oh, Oh, that's horrible.
1: So for that reason, that is, I've got a few other ones, but that's probably my my top of the list, I think. Oh God. Let's move on. So,
0: yeah, let's, shall we? let
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I told you that. That's awful, isn't it? Sounds
0: man? dreadful. Um, okay. It. <laughs> Sorry, it's really made me chuckle. I feel bad that I'm laughing at your unfortunate job. <laughs> um, okay. My hands
1: are clean now, though. My hands are clean now. So.
0: Good, glad. Um, hygiene is very Good. important. Um, which yep. cartoon character do you wish was real?
1: Ooh, Tasmanian Devil. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the mayhem, I think. I just, I just loved, I loved it as a kid. I'm not sure if it's appropriate now, but I, I, in terms of the name and so on, but just that whole kind of whirling dervish and let, let it loose on various politicians.
0: Yeah. If you had your own late night talk show, who would be the first person that you'd invite on as a guest? Andrew Ridgely. For what reason?
1: I read his biography last year and I found it absolutely fascinating. I love those stories behind the fame. Um, and actually, came across that he was actually quite talented. Uh, you wouldn't have thought that from his public persona, but actually, as a songwriter and a musician, he gets you know, kind of a bad rep. You know, George Michael, God bless, was so was so talented and popular. And actually, I think the stories behind the stories are something that's more interesting. So I'd like to have him on and tell his side of the story face to face.
0: That would be a great guest. I have to say that I was a massive Wham! fan as well, so I would yeah, be. I would be watching that. I know. <laughs> I can't help, Can't help it. Um, tell me something that is true that almost nobody agrees with you on. So your unpopular opinion.
1: Oh, I've got lots of those. Oh, I'm intrigued. I like being contrary. So I posit that winter doesn't exist. <laughs> I have a theory.
0: You need you to explain this theory because it feels very wintry at the moment.
1: Well, I'm not a flat earther, but I have a theory. Let me, let me, let me run it past you, see what you think. Typically, there's, there's four seasons in a year. I get that, and my own way of thinking is, and I, I'm an optimist, and I hate winter. By the way, just so just to, to set the set the groundwork, so summer doesn't end until September in my book, right? Because ultimately, you always want an Indian summer, and September still summer in, in my in my book. Autumn yeah. is October, November, and part of December, because October, November are kind of autumnish, and December is a month of Fridays, right? So mm-hmm. December isn't winter either. On the 21st of December, it's the winter equinox, and it gets lighter one minute per day. So therefore. By the time you're into the 21st of December, forget about Christmas, that's always fun. By the time you get to 1st of January, the days are getting lighter every day by a minute. Therefore, winter doesn't exist. Discuss.
0: I'm going to disagree, but I'm going to do it based on, I know where you're going. <laughs> I understand where you're going with the, with the equinox, but the winter, the weather in January is horrendous. And you could not associate that with any other month other than winter. Disagree. Like, it, it's always miserable. It's always really super cold. It normally snows.
1: I, I see the point, but I'm an, I'm an absolute optimist and I'm not having it. Winter is, is a construct. doesn't exist. And we're already into spring. So I'm skipping winter.
0: I, I feel like we all need to do that this year. Bro. So Every year. we should just all agree with you.
1: Every year. This, this year in particular.
0: <laughs> January is my birthday month, which is, is really tough. Nobody ever has any money. Everyone's a bit miserable. The weather's rubbish. So Maybe we should all just skip January and then I'll have a birthday later on in the summer.
1: You'll thank me for it, Kelly. Believe me.
0: I'm with you. Thank you, Roy, for answering my questions. Roy, I want you to tell us about your agency that you run. So your agency is Synthetic. Tell me what you do.
1: So I run uh, Synthetic. We are an emerging technology agency with a specialism in conversational AI. So what that means is we create conversations worth millions for our clients using chat, voice, messaging, all those AI-based concepts. we have been running it for about four years, um, got in quite early into the space. Previously, we were a mobile agency, but niche down into conversational AI because it's a really growing space, very interesting things happening across all those kind of areas from chat, voice, and messaging, and so on. The platforms are getting bigger, social is getting bigger, and customers and clients both are using these platforms every day, and therefore there's a massive opportunity for niche agencies in that space to help strategy help to develop and help to maintain those kinds of platforms and those kind of activities
0: and what kind of like give me an example of something that you've worked on that we can reference
1: sure there's a couple of interesting ones one, one on the kind of more entertainment side and maybe some more uh, business related ones so one of the first ones and the what, very successful we did a, a little while ago was uh, a Robbie Williams virtual personality bot so that was a fascinating project actually so we actually got some time with the man himself and Went through it with this record company and, and so on. And that was to promote, um, I think, about th- two albums ago. About 2016, we started that. That's still going, actually. It's one of the longest running, uh, certainly messenger chatbots, the successful ones that's been around. So the idea being that, you know, it's a virtual personality. Um, he is uh, not obviously there. But when we started it, it's quite early in the uh, in the kind of chat space and area. There were so many messages coming through saying, is this you? Tell me where you are. I'm going to show you something. And it got wow. got quite personal. It got quite personal actually. Not <laughs> to work. Yeah, it did. Uh, at one point, we had. Uh, I think we broke Facebook inbox. It was so popular. Um, and this was, you know, one of those one of those kind of small uh, budget and small kind of you know time spent projects that had a massive a massive footprint.
0: So it was a bit like as if you were messaging Robbie and you would yeah. get responses back from him.
1: Yeah, okay. exactly right. Yeah, and uh, since then, obviously, lots of lots has happened in that space around kind of virtual assistants a lot more sort of reality around augmented reality and, and kind of replicas of people and you know digital twins and so on. So, but that was kind of where it started. And yeah, that's very successful, very popular and still going actually. Sort of a bit more up to date. We work with a number of large uh, technology companies, one in particular. So we are doing a bunch of stuff with them around gamification uh, and chat. So that's using the conversational piece to, in the SaaS space actually, along, along alongside HGM and, uh, and CX in that space where we're doing things like virtual events on chat and we're doing some voice applications as well. Customers are coming onto the website and using things like web chat to find out more about some of their products and then upselling from there. So chat and conversation AI with with an ROI behind it.
0: And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. So Roy and I are both members of an agency networking group. So we're both members of Agency Nomics. And this is how we met. And I think Roy saw something that I posted about chatbots on LinkedIn, um, which spurred us to have a conversation about a few things. So some of you listening will have seen me speak at the visitor attractions conference last year. And as part of our talk, we were talking about things that could improve the the guest's user journey and guest experience online. And one of the things that we suggested was using a chatbot. I mean, chatbots are great. They can often give people information that they can't find that easily. Or, um, you you know, you, if you have a chatbot, you're freeing up someone else's time from having to kind of be on that and populating it themselves. Um, and that's how we got talking. And I have to admit, after the talk in the Q&A session, I got a lot of questions about chatbots. And I thought, why don't I get Roy on t- to answer those questions? <laughs> because he's an expert in it and I am not. Hence while you're on, Roy. (laughs) That's useful. (laughs) So I just, I kind of want to talk about um, that kind of side of voice activation and um, voice kind of conversation around attractions. And I know that you have worked a little bit in that sector, and I wondered if you could give us your kind of, well, your thoughts on them. And then maybe can we talk about how, like, how can attractions derive that kind of maximum value from using chatbots?
1: just to set the scene a little bit um quite important to mention i think that you know around the chat and conversation at ai space we're still very early into it mm. i mean from our side you know it feels like it's been going on forever we're, we're almost five years into this kind of space so um the questions that we still get are, are often quite fundamental questions you know can i can i give my uh, my website my product over to an ai what's going to happen what if they start making ridiculous claims and comments will people be able to use them are we lying to people because they're not talking to people Uh, is there any kind of brand damage that might happen you know we get all these questions still quite a lot from the educational side and that's across every sector not just um visitor attractions that's everything from finance to healthcare, wellness education and so on so the fundamentals still apply so the first thing to say is of course you know we're still quite early into it although we've been doing it for quite a while so those questions do still apply uh, and then the second thing we we often get as well is, you know, how do you get started? Where, you know, is it very difficult and complicated and therefore expensive? And it really isn't. You know, of course, anything you know, as a piece of string can be, um, you, you can you can be using, you know, very basic bots or very, very complex kind of integrated with your CRM systems. So in essence, you know, we are early into it. There are lots of use cases coming in that are ROI focused and, and kind of based in reality, which is great. But in terms of visitor attractions, you know, the very basics of a museum or an attraction using an FAQ bot is a great place or a great example to start with. Yeah. So um, in essence, and that's very simple to do. um, So really, these are not large uh, projects. And most attractions, most businesses will have most of the information to hand anyway, which is often in their call center scripts or on the uh, FAQs or the questions being asked on the website, and indeed what's coming on email, you know, whether it's a kind of, you know, a more analog process they have. So in the very basic version, it's not difficult for a site to spin up something on their current site and based around their FAQs and then use that kind of data that comes back in to understand what people are asking for. Because the beauty of those simple chatbot systems, of course, is that people are asking you actual questions. They're not, you know, you don't have to use eye tracking software, you don't have to use Hotjar or something like that. You can actually get, you know, people are actually asking you what they want. You know, mm. what time are you open? Um, open? Uh, will my, my discount voucher still apply because of COVID? You know, are you COVID safe? You know, things have already been kind of popular last year.
0: In its simplistic form, you are gathering data about what, what people need to find out about your organisation.
1: It is, in, in essence, it is really like having a conversation with a customer. Um, and that can be automated, of course. So you don't have to have your call centre staff on board you don't have to have your social team if you're a small business as well as, as a you know with a, a single site attraction this can all be automated very simply and very quickly and that's a great place to start with this whole kind of ai space if you like because then you're going to get a load of data back which which will inform you as to what you might do next the classic uh, what we call I think like a startup kill or continue so if you're getting a whole bunch of questions back and you've already answered okay maybe that that isn't what you need to, to spend your time on but if people are often um if your if your bot or if your site is failing on the certain questions of you know, maybe someone's asking a particular question all the time, are you open? You know, how do I get to you? How much is it? How much a ticket cost? Whatever you can use that and you can and you'll find that um we've got loads of data around how people use conversation versus how they use a website. Uh, and they'll they'll spend more time basically on chatbots and they'll ask more questions, side by side apples with apples than they will on the website. We've we've seen that time and time again.
0: So the time that they'll spend talking to a bot will be longer than a browse time.
1: Yeah, often. Often there's, there's, you know, there's caveats around that, of course. But yeah, in essence, we, we see that a lot. Because if you've, um, and again, you don't have to brand it particularly excitingly, although keep away from female-named assistants, I've got a massive bugbear about that. <laughs> Let's get on to that later. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, if, if you're not, you know, you don't have to spend huge amounts of time developing new characters or, or new kind of personas for your bot. If you've got a a friendly open museum, visitor attraction, park, whatever, just use that. Mm -hmm. Answer answer the basic questions and use those questions to inform what you do next. And the other point of that is, uh, so the other important point is that, of course, if someone gets stuck or if they've got a major problem or it's a high-priority customer service question, you can always hand over to a live agent anyway. So there's loads of nuances around how you would do that and when you would do it, but these things are all very possible and very easy to integrate with whatever you're currently using in terms of your... um, live chat
0: sounds really cool doesn't it like it sounds like something that everybody should be using
1: i think people often often quite flummoxed by where to start and how easy it can be because it seems like it's a great thing to do and everyone of course jumps in and goes right can we have a a robbie plus replica can we have someone in our chat you know can they be ar can they be this and can they connect to all our systems and absolutely you can but you wouldn't you don't necessarily have to start there so you know and again because the, the you know the prevalence of chat and voice and all these technologies are happening and your customers are using them it's not a big jump for them so really it's something you should be doing you should be talking to your customers on the channels they're already using
0: what would you say is the starting point because you talked a little bit about things to think about before before you get started with this like what what should an organization be thinking about before they commit to something or before they come and speak to you for example
1: it's very simple really i mean you've got to pick your use case so th- there's a bundle of things you could do and a, and a bunch of things you should do, but what you absolutely must do is, you know, set your KPI. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to, number one, reduce amount of hours spent w- with your social team on answering questions that could be very simply answered by mm-hmm. by a bot? Are you number two needing to um, increase sales by X percent, and will this help us to do that? What do we what do we do about it? How do we get involved in that? So first thing you need to do understand what it is you're trying to do in terms of the of the business uh, KPIs, and then the second thing of course, is that, you know, leading on from that is prescribing it, which is a pre-post or after sales type scenario, or is it an engagement tool? So are we are we looking at, you know, conversational AI in this instance? Should we be, are we using it for your website? So that's a pre-buy, someone's looking at your information, it's top of funnel, it's awareness. Uh, and that's one thing, and that can, that can be driven through all the way through to the funnel to kind of booking. Or is it on the other side of the coin, when someone gets to your park, your attraction or your museum, whatever it might be, are you interacting more there with, a character is a more things like treasure hunts is it something that's engaging in terms of dwell time are you upselling from there so they're kind of separate things either can be started off very simply but um, I think you need to ask yourself those simple kind of uh one page answers and questions which are what's the bot trying to do what's the key audience what does success look like you know very simple simple basic questions you need to start with first yeah
0: one of the questions that came up um Actually, well, there was a couple of there was, there was quite a few questions actually at the visitor attractions conference. But one um, that sticks in my mind was around was it was around social media. You know, it, was there something? Was there a platform of some sort or, or something that would interact with people's social media as well as people being able to ask questions on the website as well? I guess if you are building something bespoke for an organisation, you can make it do pretty much whatever you want it to.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, it, anything anything with an API is integratable, basically. So in essence, yeah. So whether whether you want to ingest your your Twitter feeds or indeed a, a lot of the chats are actually social in themselves. So mm. they don't have to be. And there's there's kind of there's, there's open and closed systems, of course. But you know, um, for instance, you know Facebook, obviously everyone's aware of, and it would appear from all the things that we see that you know the and not forgetting that Facebook own three of the biggest social platforms in the world, you know, not just Facebook, of course they own Instagram, of course they own WhatsApp. And who knows what else? And they are moving into a, it feels like, or it seems like a, an integrated system where you can now message it. You can now use chat bots to an extent on Instagram messenger obviously is the, is the platform for bots for Facebook. But again, WhatsApp being more private has, has had business beta on it. It hasn't really broken the, in the, um, in the Western countries as yet. It's massive in India, mind you, and WhatsApp. So all these things are all possible and all, and you can build one system and one platform to to interact on those as a single point of view. So yeah, it's all it's all very possible from a social perspective. Yeah.
0: How about engaging with um, different demographics? So is there you know in your experience is mm. there a, a, you know a certain age bracket that will interact more with a chatbot on a site? I guess I think one again one of the questions was around kind of. Um, our grandparents that are booking a, a, a trip with their grandkids, are they going to use this chatbot? You know, is it going to be helpful for them?
1: That is a very, very common question. It's a great question. Before we started in this whole space, I, I, I had the same question. Isn't this just for kids, though? But actually, kids aren't using Facebook, as you probably know. I've, I've got a 14-and-a-half-year-old, 14, 14 nearly twenty going on 20, daughter. They, she hasn't touched Facebook in, in four years, or for that matter, um, Instagram and WhatsApp, if you're not on TikTok or you know, some of the newer ones you, you kind of toast really. Um so yeah, we've seen we've got a ream of data around this. And you'd probably be quite surprised from the grandparent question that they they're actually very capable and, and and use Facebook in particular a lot because that's how they communicate with their kids and grandkids. Yeah, so we yeah. see a huge spread. We thought the same thing actually a few a couple of years ago. Is this really for kids and would anyone use it? And is it all opposite? If it's easy to use, that's a, that's a truism across any platform, if it's simple to use and you're being upfront about what it is and how you use it, it really does cross. There isn't a demographic we've seen that doesn't use it. So, yeah, it's not, it's not skewed young, in essence, no.
0: Is it a case of if it's easy, anybody will use it? Or would an attraction have to, do, have to put in any kind of work to get people to engage with it? Because I think that was something that people were a bit worried mm. about is committing to this and then it not being used. Um, and would it need to be like, would they need to put this huge kind of drive behind encouraging people to use it?
1: So again, depending on what the use case is. So, th- th- in very simple terms, for the kind of top of funnel awareness, and there is other ways of doing this, but your classic chatbot scenario is um, bottom right circle, you know, on your website, which yeah. which which, yeah. You, which you select. And I think we're all pretty used to. There's loads of different ones out there from um, some of the big names like Drift and Intercom and so on, uh, and some of the, some of the other platforms. So that that is really a tip, a tap of a button to ask questions into into a kind of FAQ. So that is people are coming to your site anyway, or they're coming to your Facebook page, and that's how you interact anyway, or your Instagram now and possibly WhatsApp and so on. So that's all kind of intrinsically baked in. In terms of on park or on site, um, slightly different scenario. So yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that you you need to surface it. So if, you, if you're in, um, you know, the aquarium or whatever it might be, or, you know, uh, London Bridge experience or whatever. Front of house, there's something there they haven't seen already, I think definitely. Part of your marketing in terms of if you're using an app already and there's a nice part of it which might be a chat related or kind of, you know, something you would engage with through the experience, I think, yeah. So it really depends. Um, I think the, the key though is is ultimately, uh, you know, is telling people about it, yes, but then making it really simple to use. Mm. And there's two things you want to do really, you know, you don't want to take away from the experience itself, right? The reason they're there is to see, you know, see fantastic ocean animals or or go on um, roller coaster rides. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fair to say that, you know, some training or some, at least some awareness from, from front of house staff would be important. If, you know, just to check in with people, have you seen X or Y? Have you seen we've got a new um, uh, Dippy, you know, for the museum, you know, the, our, our new um, uh, Dippy chatbot, interact with it. You can see find treasures. If you do the treasures, you get a discount or an offer or something. You know, that, that kind of stuff is important, I think. But again, not taking away from the experience is really important because, you know, let's face it, we and our kids as well spend enough time on screens. So it's got to add to the experience. Yeah, um, and we're going through the going through the experience of the attraction. Of course, not all attractions are end to end and kind of you know um, linear. Um, but understanding you know whether it's just um, uh, using a QR code or something simple or being tripped by another dev- another kind of um, interactivity uh, is important. And making those things short and sweet, I think, is important as well. And um, those interactions.
0: This was going to be like my my kind of final roundup question to you because we, we what we've focused on quite a bit is what I think is that kind of pre-attraction. Um, journey using chatbots. So, people asking questions about, you know, are you open? How much is the ticket price? You know, I, I, I can't find this thing to be able to book. But actually, you know, there's a lot that can be done in terms of voice strategies for attractions once you're at the attraction as well. Like, what kind of things could potentially attractions be looking at for that? I guess this is endless, endless opportunities.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, uh, d- depending on the attraction, like, like I say, you know, I just I mentioned, you know, the, the kind of uh, dippy scenario where, you know, are we are we looking through the museum at, at bones or artefacts or using our voice to, to be hints around where to find things? More like an interactive treasure hunt scenario, I think is is definitely useful. Making it engaging as well, because, you know, obviously um, moving into a, a post, hopefully a post world soon, where things are back open again as, you know, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later you know you're able to to touch things but maybe people don't want to so I think it's it's going to be quite important that that kind of touch those experiences is is probably more part of of the experiences going forward than it has been so then that's going that's going to be important there's tons of things you can do like you say you know create new characters uh use use some new technology like AR to kind of enhance um I've seen some great stuff around um uh, museum attractions around selfies you know, putting yourself into pictures and really engaging and immersing yourself in whatever you're looking around. I mean, my own personal favourite, which hasn't, doesn't exist, I'm so disappointed that they stopped doing <laughs> it, was um, in Audley End, you know, the um, National I, Heritage.
0: I live right near Audley oh, okay. End. Yeah, we live I in Sacramaldon. It. It's a great place.
1: I, I love Audley End. They used to have a Victorian um, sing-along uh, Christmas. I don't know if you ever went to it. Uh, no, I I've
0: never this, been there. We moved
1: here a couple of years ago. So. Right. I think they stopped here about three or four years ago. And I, I, Every time I go there, I'm like, it's so disappointed I don't do it, because you've got a chance to go into the house, and there were some people dressed up in Victoria. I thought, wow, you know, that's just, that's what I want. I want a Victorian grandad part. That's what they're missing, yes. right? <laughs> I honestly do. I'm, I might just go and do it anyway, because it's a fantastic idea. That that kind of interaction and engagement, the, these things are these character-driven uh, kind of experiences around um, AI. Are, are, again they can be quite complex it's not that difficult to start but again it just adds adds to the kind of fun doesn't it and again yeah. the, import, the important point i think is is not just to have that on park so there's any kind of brand and merchandise extensions that are possible in terms of licensing etc so if you're you know Dippy's a good example or or maybe you know, maybe Oldlands is a bad example but there's there's certainly plenty of character driven certain attractions for that where you can extend out more and you can have uh, uh more engagement from people outside of visiting the attraction. And again, it could just be that you have a conversation starting, you're able to talk to people and re engage. Um and that might be, did you know we're open? Um why don't you come along and have a two fun offer? Uh, and these aren't you know digital printed tickets. They can go into an existing app they've got, it can go onto social, go onto the, the bot itself. So lots of opportunities I think, commercially speaking, that aren't really being utilized that well because because we're quite early into it. And again I'm gonna put a stake in the ground and say I think that in the visitor attraction kind of space there's huge opportunities mm. because for people to, to, to steal a march on the competitors, to be honest, because not many people are doing it and doing it well. So there's massive opportunity. The audiences are definitely there. We know that we're going to reopen again soon. And even before reopening, it's a brilliant way to engage people and not particularly, um, I wouldn't say cost neutral, but it's not particularly expensive to get these things started. If you go in with an MVP, think like a startup mindset. Yeah,
0: totally agree with that. There are there endless possibilities and, and huge opportunities at the moment. I love what you talked about. The audio end example is a really great example, actually, because it is about, you know, it's it's about putting you into that experience, isn't it? It's about, you know, you you it's complementary to it. It enhances the experience. It doesn't take away from it or distract you from what's actually happening there at the same time.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. Um, I was also just thinking about audio as well. And again, just, just simple things. It isn't necessarily around conversational, but you know, just, just ahead of us having a chat, just thinking about things like, you know, some of the uh, the more ride-based um, attractions and whether this has been done or not. And using audio is massive. Obviously, podcasts are massive. Audio content's massive, massive. Um, Alexa and, and Google and so on are massive. And, you know, just simple things like those additional engagements of those, for instance, Spotify or Alexa playlists of you know, you go into Orton Towers in a month's time. You're really excited about it. Here's the, here's the, the terror list with ride on time and songs from television and scream a delicate. Why are we doing that? This, this is not difficult to do, you know, and you can incorporate audio and AI and conversation to all these things. And there's so many good opportunities, I think, for this. And I think there's a, you know, I think the brands that jump on this and the attractor jump on this will, you know, they're putting themselves in a good spot. I think.
0: That's such a great idea. What is your attractions playlist? That's what I want everyone to um, to tweet me. What would be on your attractions playlist?
1: You can't use head. Screamy Delica. I've used that. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> try and get an example that's more under thirty years old. I think one earlier. I couldn't.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, this one's not. This one's not under thirty years. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. But um, I always think about the. the there's the rock and roller coaster at Disney, and um, yeah. it plays Aerosmith, and I, it's such a great song. Um, dude, it's like a lady, and it just—I I just have got such great memories. And every time I hear that song, I, I instantly get transported back to that attraction. It would be really cool, wouldn't it, to have like your your playlist from your favorite attractions?
1: It, it'd be great. Just on a on a personal note, I'm I'm a heavy. My um, family, we are heavy uh attraction users I, I, well, I was talking to my wife earlier and i think we count even the long covid i think we counted up about 30 attractions last year we did nice and we we generally do around 40 plus and that's everything from you know the obvious big ones you know the orton towers and so on to we went to, we went we to portsmouth into the mary rose um, and the uh, the dockyards with the Spinnaker tower we did women's um, we safari stratford-upon-avon uh the shakespeare museums and i did one interestingly that like, just for christmas the silverstone experience i don't know if you've done it which oh, is, no, I
0: haven't yet. I should, because it's not that far from where we are.
1: That it was actually really good. You know, I'm not a huge um, Formula One fan, but I know lots of people are. But I took the kids out there and my wife came as well. And you, you get to drive on the track. And that's no, very slow, but they've got a lot of lights on. It's fantastic, actually. But they, and and there, was a, there was a Silverstone radio station, which you could, you could turn on and they play some tunes. But I thought they were missing a huge trick around interactivity. They should have had a very simple point and click uh, where they are, which you can do very easily now, right? You're all going very slowly up the, up the grid. Why they didn't have sounds... Popping and people revving their engines, like Lewis Hamilton, yeah. on the grid is beyond me. Yeah, exactly. Roll your phone over the head, over the you know the the um, the traffic lights, the green, you know the red, amber, green, and then show it off, and then you can have you know James Hunt. Over. It just it just missed a big trick there. And None of this is difficult. Whether you could just point your thing at, at you know the stands, and you can have the voice of you know Murray Walker or whatever it is from the from the F1 fans. These interactivity things again are not difficult. Well, I mean,
0: they might be listening, Roy. So. They should call us. You could get a call. Call Roy. (laughs) On that note, if you do want to know a bit more about Roy and what he does at Synthetic, then there's loads of places you can look. So you've got loads of really great articles on your website syntheticagency.co now there's a couple of really specific articles that um, are really useful to this conversation so you've got 10 simple tips on bot strategy and design yeah. and you've got a case study around oracle chatbots as well
1: mm-hmm. and
0: there's just some really really useful information if you want to carry this conversation on that's the best place to go and actually Roy you've got a podcast as well haven't you
1: it is called uh, conversations worth millions Lovely. so in essence, conversationsworthmillions.com is the URL. But if you, because I'm amazing at SEO as well, if you type in conversations worth millions into Google, every result on the homepage will be my <laughs> podcast. If it isn't, um, my OCD is going to go mental. <laughs>
0: okay well let's test this so yeah if you want to listen to a bit more about this um about this 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 topic then conversations worth millions is what you type into google and, and that's where i said you should find everything that you need and for a last question for you i always ask all of our guests to uh, recommend a book and it can be a book that you have you love just you love it personally, or it could be a book that's kind of helped shape your career in some way. So, have you got a recommendation for us today?
1: Can I just make w- w- one small comment before I, I tell you what book it is? Um, my second unpopular opinion <laughs> is, that, is that you can read too much. Um,
0: okay, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm a doer. I, I'm, I don't, my, my, my final parting shot on that is don't, don't just consume, create. I'll leave it there. Yeah, no,
0: do you know what? I agree. And don't just read self-help books. I think There's a lot of people who just con- who consume self-help business book after, one after the other. Go read some fiction as well or some biographies. Mix it up.
1: Speaking of self-help, I've got one for you. <laughs> Good. You'll like this. Okay, so this one is it's got, it's a bit of a mouthful for a name. It's, quite, it's brand new. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. So this is The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Have you seen it? No, haven't. Okay, so I'll give you a quick proceed uh what it says on the back cover. So it says, getting rich is not just about luck. Happiness is not just a trait we are born with. So in essence, what this is, is N- Naval is, uh, is very famous on Twitter. He's a, he's a VC and a bit of a lifestyle guru and so on. Um, and, a, and a tech guru too. He wrote a quite a, um, again, famous uh, tweet about a year and a half ago on why getting rich isn't just about money. It was, a, it was a massive Twitter thread of maybe, I don't know, 50 tweets. Someone took those tweets and turned it into a book, which I thought for a couple of reasons was fantastic. First of all, to be able to spin a book out of twelve, you know, 15 tweets is, is really interesting. And actually, the lessons in it, I think, are actually quite, quite powerful. So that's my recommendation, The Almanac of Naval Ravikant.
0: Great. good. That is a good choice. Um, as ever... If you would like to win a copy of this book, we offer it as a prize. So all you need to do is head over to our Twitter account, which is skip the queue. if you just search for that on Twitter. And then if you retweet this episode announcement with the words, I want Roy's books, then you will be put into a prize draw to potentially win it. Roy, thank you. I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, thanks for coming on and for sharing your knowledge about this topic Please, everyone, go and subscribe to Roy's podcast, The Conversation's Worth Millions, if you are interested in what we've been talking about today. It's a wealth of knowledge there, and I would definitely check out Roy's website too. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks a lot, Kelly. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned skip the queue is brought to you by rubber cheese a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers you can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast